it is okay to talk about it. Now, it is okay to not be okay. We, we don't have to conform to what people expect us to, to be. Welcome to the Wellbeing Champions podcast, brought to you by Loon Base. My name is Aaron. And my name is Tom. This is the Wellbeing Champions podcast, where we bring you pearls of wisdom from the best and brightest in the wellbeing world. We aim to share knowledge and learn from others on how to enable people to truly work and live well. So we'd like to start each show with maybe a little story of something that's happened this week or something that we're grateful for. Tom, have you got one that you're grateful for this week? Yes, there's one, one thing I want to share some, some gratitude for is a slightly odd one. It's helium balloons. And, and the reason being that uh, our son has just gone through, through the developmental stage where he, um, he's discovered gravity. He's, um, he's, got his, he's found his inner Isaac Newton. And uh, you know, he's well aware that if he, he drops something off the side of his high chair, it will, uh, it will hit the floor with a good bang. So we brought, we brought some helium balloons. It was his sister's birthday. And he had some helium balloons and they've blown his mind. Um, they, uh, they defy gravity and countless hours of fun from, uh, from a single helium balloon. So, so all you helium balloon manufacturers out there, I, uh, yeah, I can't thank you enough. That sounds great. I have, I have a similar one, actually. So my, my gratitude this week goes to pumpkins. So bear with me on this one. So with Halloween just gone, we've, uh, we've managed to get four solid family activities from a single pumpkin. So we spent an afternoon at the pumpkin patch. That killed a few hours, and then we spent an evening carving. Then, do. then we uh, then we managed to do a trail around the village looking for other pumpkins, socially distanced, of course. And then we actually made pumpkin pie from scratch. Sweet. How was it? It was all right. <laughs> <laughs> Needs more practice. <clears throat> but yeah, so this uh, yeah this week I'm grateful for uh, for pumpkin, the gift that keeps on giving. <laughs> Perfect. Well, today we bring you Steve Tift. He's the Operations and Partnerships Director at Integrity. They offer insurance and protection solutions to SMEs with a big difference. They enhance the offering with a huge range of benefits aimed at improving the physical and mental well-being of the individuals in your workplace. It can include fully approved mental health first aider training by Steve himself. He is a big guy with a big personality and it's a privilege to have him on the podcast to share his story. Welcome, Steve. So, Steve, we like to start our show with our Fast Five warm-up questions, just to get going. So, Steve, are you a night owl or an early riser? Uh, night owl. And what's your favourite day of the week? Um, I was going to say a Saturday, but I, I don't. With my, I'm driving around with my daughter and being a taxi service, so I don't actually think I ever get a lay-in. So, do you know what? I think any day I can train is a good day for me. So, yeah. So, so any day, not in the next month, because we're just about to start lockdown part. Yeah, obviously, yeah. My, my home training, obviously, I mean, not. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, and your favourite book? What's your favourite book, fiction or non-fiction? Quite like the Harry Potter books, to be fair. Nice. And if you were going to live in isolation on a desert planet, what three things would you take with you? Um, depends how literal I could take it. But if it, my partner probably wouldn't be too keen on me calling her a thing. But I could, if it was <laughs> um, an, another person, um, some way of making music. I'd, I'd imagine if I'm going to be there for a while, I don't know how to play the guitar, but I'm sure I could learn. Um, and I don't know, something to, to be able to diarise, because I think that especially in isolation i think it can be quite a lonely place if you've not we're so used to talking to people so i think if you can um diarize stuff yeah good yeah all for some daily journaling some regular journaling 
And then, yeah, okay, final question number five. If you had a, a giant billboard that, you know, that had the power to reach thousands or you know, hundreds of thousands, millions of people, uh, what would it say and, and why? I think because of my passion for mental health, and although it's still a, a very cliche thing, is I think um, either something like it's okay to not be okay or you're, you, you're enough. Because I think that, you know, I, I think that message to, to people needs to be quite a strong one in the fact that, you know, where we are now and moving forward is it, it is okay to not be okay. Great, yeah, really powerful, really powerful. And and if we could kind of get into your origin story, as it were, you have to kind of take us from the beginning on kind of how you got to where you are and, and the field you're in. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I was in um, stationary marketing and um, print, so business supplies for probably 19 years. Um, the I've been with the the company I was with was sold to another business. Um, two years before I, I left and um, just before uh, the period of time when I left we um, we lost our little boy at full term in November 2017. Um, leaving the, the way that I, I handled you know I probably had every intention of staying in that industry but because of the way I was handled within the business and the way that um, I think it was still you know if that happened now you know there's lots of measures in place with businesses to look after staff but I think you know, that was four years ago and things were still very different. So the support structures weren't in place. It, it didn't, you know, wasn't handled perhaps as it should. And it motivated me to, to move on and, and to look for, for something else. I think a self-healing part of me went out on, I think you'll find a lot of dads that have been in the same position want to go out and almost change the world, become a bit of a Jesus and go out and heal everybody and, and find a way of trying to mask your own struggles by sort of helping everybody else's. Um, and that's potentially what I did. So I, I got approached to be an instructor for Mental Health First Aid England, um, did that, dipped my toes in the rewards and benefits sort of platform um, through um, a, a colleague of mine at the time, and then decided in January last year that actually um, thought I could do it a little bit better. So me and my business colleague Warren decided that actually um, it could be done in a different way. And there was all this focus around physical activity and um, you know, we found a, a niche in the market where, you know, businesses had protection or, you know, whether that be a key person, private medical insurance, but there was an avenue for us to be able to attach rewards and benefits to that that wasn't going to increase the cost to a business um, and would bring a support structure um, alongside that remuneration package, but where I could also integrate the, the mental health and sort of educate and be a message for businesses at the time when there was, a, I think, a lot of people, you know, had identified that mental health was was something that, especially, you know, not just as individuals in, in general, but in the workplace, you know, we have first aiders to, to help somebody when they've been physically hurt, but we don't have any time there. There's very minimal support for people that are struggling you know, in a mental capacity. So, and I found it, you know, not only was it self-healing in the fact it allowed me to voice and talk about and openly talk about um, the struggles I've been through, um, but also, you know, to show people that it is okay to talk about it. You know, it is okay to not be okay. We, we don't have to conform to what people expect us to, to be. You know, 90% of people on a Monday morning when they're asked by their colleagues, have you had a great weekend or how are you, will reply yes. You know, we have a very British thing. We, we don't ever say, well, actually, no, I had a really bad weekend or a partner left me or I'm really struggling financially. We just say, yeah, it was, yeah, it was fine, thank you because that's almost what's expected of us. So um, that drove by sort of, you know, the, the business sort of started to take form um, in the fact that we found a niche area that we could decide to add more value to. 
um, and hopefully sort of um, provide a, a little better support for, for, for colleagues, not only in a financial capacity, in a support capacity and things like healthcare, but also things that could make things, you know, very, very minimum. You know, a lot of people live hand to mouth and struggle sometimes at the end of the month and have pressures from their children, whether it's have the best phone or to, to go for weekends out and whatever. And I think sometimes they struggle. And parents have this pressure, like when Christmas comes up, to financially put themselves in a position where, you know, as much as we want to spoil our kids, it's difficult, especially through like current climate now. People are worried about having a job, let alone how much they can spend on their kids as much as we want to. So I think having a rewards and benefits platform that allowed, you know, there was more value to that than just having PMI in case somebody ever became poorly or, you know, had a, a condition where there needed to be time off work and they were going to get, you know, decent healthcare. It was more the fact that they could give them something that was tangible. They could get a discounted, you know, going to the gym or they could supplements or something online or something for their children or days out. And um, we just wanted to try and encompass the, the best package possible that would just bring more than just something financial or physical or whatever to try and, and embrace a, um, a better offering, which I believe we've done. I thank you for being so, you know, so honest with such a powerful story and a real role model for dads that, you know, have lost children at term or before or after and is that something that always comes up in your mental health first aid training are you always so open and honest about it and, and, and would you say that's a way that that's you know it's one of your coping mechanisms for for processing what you've been through yeah but absolutely and I, and I think one of the reasons for me is i think anybody can do the training anybody can stand up in front of um a, you know a group of people you know and look at pdfs that come up on a screen and just read it and you know teach something something out of a manual but I think people buy into people. And I think if you can actually, you know, people become more open and willing to share when they understand that, you know, a lot of people won't share where they've been or the dark places they've experienced. And I had an expression a long time ago that said, if you really want to experience, you know, the type of difficult time that somebody's been through, sit in their darkness with them for a while before, you know, and, and you're never going to bring, you know, it's about showing somebody that there, there might be the tiniest bit of light at the end of the tunnel, but there is. And that's what I needed. I didn't reach out to anybody for a long time because I was typically, you know, I was a man and I, I didn't need to talk to anybody. That was for my partner and my kids. And I, I had to wear the, you know, I think for a dad, it's very difficult. Dads get, that's why I became so passionate because dads almost get forgotten about a little bit in the fact that, you know, you've lost a child. If you've got existing children, you bear their grief and you also bear the grief of your partner. So you're watching your, you know, your partner struggle daily. You're watching, you know, in a pain that you would never, ever want somebody that you'd love to go to, then your children and sometimes your own. Mine got pushed to the side. I almost thought, you know, at one point I thought, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd grieved at the beginning. I'd had a good cry and all the rest of it. And I thought, okay, that, that, well, I'm cool because I was distracted by everybody else's grief. But I think when you actually go and do the training and you can talk, you know, I've got um, a lot of income. I'm a big Marvel fan. Um, had Theo obviously have lived, he would have, you know, like Jax is our rainbow baby. You know, they, they would have followed probably in the same footsteps. So I've got a lot of ink um, tattoos that have got all around Spider-Man and Superman and all the Marvel stuff all over my arms. And I will usually do my training, <laughs> weather permitting, in a polo top so that my ink is visible. Some people will naturally then say, love your ink, is, you know, is, is it resemblance of anything? Which then allows, and the reason I had it done like that, so it might sound strange to some people, is it allows me 
to talk about him. I, the one thing I was scared about when I lost him is I'd never get the chance to talk about him. He would get got forgotten. So that was a, a, a conversation start. And then when you see some, some people react in a way where they're like, oh, my God, I don't know what to say to you now. Other people are like, well, okay, I've got something similar. I had something done because I've lost a child or I've, this has happened to me. Or, And it's a, it's, a, it's a great way of, you know, and I'm not saying that it's a style that everybody should adopt for, for, for mental health training or, you know, not everybody needs to be as, as open as I am. But it's a way I, I, the reason I'm as honest as I am is I believe that that allows people to, to feel that they're comfortable enough. Because if I can do it and I've said it, you almost take away those barriers. You've created a safe environment where whatever severity of struggles that person's got, to them, they're real struggles. And it's something they're battling with. So it just gives them an opportunity to say, do you know what, there's the ground, there's the line, I've drawn it. If you want to disclose where you've been and how the struggles you've got, then that's where we're at. Oh, that's remarkable. And how has the mental health first aid training adapted to the new COVID world we're in? To be fair, there is a, a, an online offering for, for MHFA. And obviously there's instructors out there that, that do the online offering. And my stance for us as a business was the fact that it, it's not that I didn't want to do the courses. I, I get an awful lot from the courses. It's, uh, you know, when, you, when you're able to give somebody a, a, an avenue to be able to address areas they've been, like I said before, to sit in that darkness with somebody who chooses to openly say, and even if not, you know, you might have a room at the end of the day, I believe 99% of people have experience, you know, bearing in mind from school age right through to, you know, there's people on the courses that are in their 60s. You know, at some point they have experienced some form of ill mental health because that, that sits hand in hand with, with physical health. And sometimes, you know, they, they might not realise it or they do, but they've buried it and they talk about it. But what it does do, you know, is it allows people to maybe become more aware of what mental health is, what ill mental health is, what it looks like, what the physical signs are, what somebody, you know, somebody just thinks, oh, do you know what, you know, Bobbin accounts has been a bit funny recently. I don't think he likes me. So actually, some of those things that we've learned on the course, that doesn't sound like he's in a great place. You know, he's a bit unkept or, you know, certain signs where well, I haven't really thought about it like that. Actually, that guy might be really struggling. And nobody talks to Bob because they think he's funny when actually Bob goes home most nights and contemplates ending his own life because he's not in a good place. And you're that person that could be the person that makes a huge difference to that, that, that person's life. So what people think with mental health first aid training that it's just like ticking a box. For me, when I do the physical courses and we've said about you know, just opening those barriers, I think which is a lot easier in a physical presence. I'm not saying it doesn't work online, but for me personally, I think it's better when it's done delivered physically just because that's just the teaching style I like is that the importance that sits behind it is that you could be the the, the lifeline that the people your colleagues genuinely need. So is mental health first aid of training part of your offering? Yeah so there's there's two different ways that, that we brought the offering to, to market so obviously our, our main area of business is protection so whether that's PMI, um, key person insurance, um, group income protection we can either bring the training into the business at no cost to the company. So we'll train up to 10 staff with no cost at all um, to training them. We'll, we'll take that on board. Or we operate it as a, a secondary offering, as in somebody might not have any um, you know, rewards and benefits, might not be looking at them, aren't interested, don't have the budget, whatever the reasons are, but are wanting to look at mental health training. So we'll do um, discounted training and depending on obviously how many staff they want to train. So we can either do it as um, a hybrid element where, you know, we train, you know, on, on its own capacity or we'll 
we'll train it and, and, and deliver it as, as part of our offering. Great. And, as, and, from, and from my perspective, I want to highlight the power of mental health first aider training for workplaces. And if you look at the, you know, if you look at the national data, nearly, nearly 70% of individuals, the first time they raise a problem with their mental health is to appear in their workplace setting. That's not to a family member at home. It's not to their GP. It's not to their boss. It's not to the line manager. It's to appear. And so empowering individuals to feel enabled to take these conversations on and to signpost the right way and to help support people is, you know, is a really powerful tool. And I think it's only going to be something that grows as the, you know, as we come out of the pandemic, the, the need for that training. Absolutely. And if you think about it, you know, and that, that makes perfect sense. We, a lot of us, you know, in, in, in the hours that we commit to work, a lot of us spend more time with the people we work with than we do with the people at home. You know, some of us might not get home till seven o'clock at night. We might not see, you know, our, our partners because of their work commitments. They might be in bed by 10 o'clock. Do you know what I mean? We, we don't necessarily until we see them at weekends. And sometimes it's also, there's a pride element, especially for men. You know, it's an element where they don't want to necessarily, it's not necessarily because it's anything at home or it's something that's involved with your partner. There might be there's elements that you're struggling with that you don't want to open up to your partner about. Or you still feel, even though your friends, there's, there's certainly or your family, this where it's easier sometimes you feel like although you're connected you feel a little bit more disconnected to your peers because do you know what I mean you you spend a lot of time with them but they don't necessarily if they say well you know they whether they agree or don't agree or whatever their opinion is on what you're sharing with them that doesn't necessarily maybe have the same importance or, or impact or effect as disclosing that to your partner or whatever else you don't feel like you're going to be judged in the same way because at the same time, you know, you, you, at the end of the day, you go home, they go home, and do you know what I mean? They're the people you work with. But at the same time, like I say, that's why I've said about, you know, people don't realize the importance of how that support structure is so important. And, and it sounds very dramatical, but it's genuine. I've, I've seen it and I've heard it. Somebody's opened up, and that person, had they not have opened up and that conversation had taken place, that person had every intention of going home and had a different actions in their mind of how that day was going to go. Based on your past experiences, do you have any tips for creating that environment where someone would feel comfortable in opening up? I know you've mentioned a few already, but just in creating a safe space where people are more likely to share and be open with that. Absolutely. I think it's about in creating an environment for anybody, in, from, you know, from anybody's probably own experience, is that you know, we feel comfortable and, and relaxed and whatever when we're just having normal conversation. I think when you create a false environment or you probe somebody, even if you know something's not right with somebody, when someone knows they're being probed, it can sometimes put their barriers up and they're thinking, you know, and they're not might not necessarily be ready to open up at that particular time. When you're having a general conversation, and sometimes when you make it relatable, and somebody might say, you know, I might say to somebody, oh yeah, I've had a great weekend. You know, this has happened in our course of nightmare when I don't know me and the, the you know my partner have had an argument. He's always over something silly, and somebody then suddenly open up and say oh yeah i've had the same or you know i'm really struggling covid's a perfect example you know people that are maybe used to going their separate ways and are now coming together nine to five and potentially longer all day long and having to work while they're furloughed and that's not because people don't love each other it's because it's an unusual environment for them and it creates more tension or more arguments and the pressure of not necessarily earning what they're earning before and all of the rest of it so i think when you have a you know Going back to the question about, you know, the environment that you create, if you're genuine, authentic and honest, people will usually buy into the fact that that's what you are and trust you and then you and you've built a relationship where somebody feels comfortable to talk to you. If you come across as 
if I was a mental health first aider and I sit down and I say this in the training, then you sit down and start probing somebody, they know that that's exactly what you're doing and they won't open up to you. If you just sit and have a conversation with somebody in a normal capacity, people will forget that you're necessarily a mental health first aider or a HR director or whatever you are. They will talk to you as a person and it's that person that they open up to. I think the flip side to that coin is that the other power of this training is actually it feels good to give and it feels good to give your time or to give a listening ear and to give support. And so, you know, benefits work both ways. The, the people that benefit from, from conversations about mental health are not just the individual who's suffering, but it's also the individual who's giving that support because they get a lot from it. And whether that's bolstering their role or whether that's feeling that they're more of a team player and contributing to the culture of the workplace that they're in, you know, this is a symbiotic relationship and it works both ways. Totally agree. And, and, you know, there's, there is no better feeling, you know, when you know you've had an impact on somebody's life and the fact that, and sometimes, you know, it, it creates and forges better relationships with your peers as well. Because if, you know, if your peer was really struggling and they've opened up to you and you've actually given them some type of light at the end of the tunnel, you know, that person could end up being, you know, moving forward in that business, you know, potentially really close friend or somebody you, you spend a lot more time with or you get to know a little bit better. Because you've actually shown that person sometimes all people need is somebody to take five minutes out of their day and just show somebody that they actually care and that there's actually they, they, they want to listen. It's not about you sitting there and talking to somebody and having to give all the you know, people, a lot of MHFA, you know, first aiders have this worry that they don't know what they've got to say. And it's not about that in any way whatsoever. It's not about saying the right thing. It's not about it. It's about sometimes people just want somebody to listen. And and you know what? After and it not, might not be they know they need any further intervention. It might be that that just that listening ear was enough, just for them at that point, or at least to be signposted and to know I don't I don't know where to go. I don't know what to do. I've never experienced these problems. Um, and somebody go well actually do you know what I do? And do you know what I tell you what I'll come with you. Yeah, absolutely. When businesses think about the bottom line, the return on investment for for bringing such training and hopefully the culture change that comes with it is huge if you can reduce you know can reduce staff turnover if you can reduce absenteeism or presenteeism there's huge benefits all around so steve you you're clearly a great speaker and presenter and that obviously must help with your mental health first aider presentations um i'm curious have you ever had any formal training in this area genuinely never in the fact that i was in obviously sales for um quite a, you know about 19 years I think I started when I was probably 20 um, started as an account manager and worked my way through a sales business and there was an element of that of picking up the phone and speaking to people on the phone and you know I think I was probably a very arrogant 20 year old who thought that you know that that my, my, my probably perception of sales and you know being you know having to call after call after call but I think genuinely my skill set developed and this might sound really strange to other people but I genuinely believe my skills had changed when we lost the year. And because the things that, the things that were important to me before weren't, the bits that don't matter to me anymore. And the things that were important, I mean, they've, they've switched reversal. You know, I, my daughter would come down and say, oh, Dad, you know, can we go through some of this homework? And I'd be like, oh, God, do you know what? I need to get this done. Can you just give me some time on my own? You know, and she'd be like, oh, okay, sorry, Dad. And she'd go away. And I reflect on that now and look at the importance of, you know what, that, that time's very valuable to me now. So much can happen from a conversation I always say in any of my approaches to businesses. All I'm asking for is a conversation. If we're not right for you, 
if our business are offering any part of it isn't right, it isn't right. It can't be right for everybody. But all I'm asking for is a conversation because a conversation can lead to so much. Might not necessarily go in the direction you thought it was originally, but I think just having the opportunity to speak to somebody. That's great. And no, just add to that. I, I, I don't think uh, I don't think you need the training at all. I think you're uh, you're right where people going for the training hope to be. Finally, how can people reach you or connect with you if they want to kind of reach out? Well, I mean, obviously they can connect through, um, reach out to us through through LinkedIn, um, or they can obviously reach out to us through our, to our website. The other thing as well is, you know, that's not always just about generating, you know, business and everything else. At the end of the day, life creates an experience. And sometimes, you know, I'm just putting that out there. People want to reach out and they just want to reach out because that's somebody else who's a struggling dad or somebody who has a, an interest in something that, that we've talked about or I've said or has struck a, you know, a, a bit of accordance with somebody and they just want to, it's not about just reach out to us because we want some business from you. Life's about paths across for a reason and, and meeting new people is, is, is something I, I like and, and enjoy. So at the end of the day, if anybody wants to reach out, then yeah, more than happy. Thank you so much, Steve. Yeah, thanks for your time, Steve. And for anybody looking to connect with Steve, I'll include links to everything we spoke about today in the show notes, which can be found at loombase.com. Thanks for listening. This podcast is brought to you by Loonbase. Loonbase is an all-in-one well-being platform for your workplace. Listeners of the podcast can get a 30-day free trial for your team. Just go to loonbase.com forward slash champions. That's loonbase.com forward slash champions.